Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. It's good to be here this morning. You know, yesterday, before we get into all of this, um, before we get in the Word, and and we're going to take the Lord's Supper together today, um, but before we do all that, and again, if you just need a Bible, wave at one of these guys. Um, yesterday, a couple of ladies talked to me about just a, a thought and a prompting of having, um, having a ministry, having those engaged in ministry. In particular, I mean, it would, it would be other things, but especially for those as they go through the loss of a loved one. Bereavement often is the term that we use. Um, to, to have those engaged and that, that type of ministry and coordination and, and different things. And, um, and I was listening, and anytime someone says something to me, I'm always listening and asking the Lord, Lord, what are you doing and how are you moving and working? Of course, we just yesterday had the service for Mary Vey. Um, this next Saturday, um, Denise, are you back there somewhere? It's ne- this next Saturday from one to four, right, that we're doing a service and time here. For the Fawner, for Josh Fawner and his family, Sam plays in our worship team, uh, which is Josh's brother. Josh had passed away; he was 28 years old, I believe. He he passed away this past week, and uh, and Robin, um, Josh's mom, who's part of our our fellowship here. And uh, and then I was just talking to Betty here on the front, and Betty and her husband Don, very new to our church. I just met them a month or two ago, I think, when they came in. And, and Don passed away here a few weeks ago. And, um, and I began to realize again, and our hearts go out because it's like, you know, sometimes we, we have great intentions. We want to be able to walk with people and love on people as they go through things. And sometimes stuff just falls through the cracks and, and gets missed along the way. And, and, um, and that, that breaks my heart. So pray with me. We'll share more with you about this. I believe God's stirring and moving, but some of you, you have giftings and strengths and abilities and a heart to say, this is a type of ministry I'd like to be involved in. I'd like to, whether it's preparing food or whether it's sitting with someone or doing some arrangements in the background or getting things ready here in the building for what has to take place or other of those types of events and things that that come up in the life of the church. And you've been thinking, how could God use me I am confident, I believe this with all of my heart, that every one of us have giftings and talents and strengths that God has placed within, and passions that he's placed within us, and he wants to use them to bless the body and those outside the body. And so you'd be praying with me, and, and would you pray with me for, obviously, we're praying for the Vey family and the loss of Mary, we're praying for the Fawners and the loss of Josh, praying for Betty and the loss of her husband, Don, and... Um, Let's just pray before we go on, all right? Lord, I, I thank you that, we, that you have created this thing called the church and that we can love on one another and we can care for one another and walk together. And Lord, it's a privilege to be able to do that. And so right now we lift up Dominic and Darlene and Chase and their entire family in Zoltan. Because though we know where Mary is 
And with Josh, we know where he is. And with Don, we know where they are, Lord. But that doesn't mean we don't grieve. There's a loss. And so, Lord, we pray that you would comfort and encourage and strengthen. And yet, Lord, we also realize that sometimes in the busyness and the hectic pace of the life that we live, sometimes we miss these opportunities where we can just come alongside and, and love on and care for. Not intentional. It's just, it's just the way we live life. So, Lord, help us, first of all, slow down. Help us be aware of what's going on in one another's lives. Lord, help us, help us hear what we need to hear and tune out what we don't need to hear because there's so much coming at us. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to come alongside and encourage and to be able to lift up, whether it's Robin and Sam or Betty or, or Zoltan and Dominic and Darn, Darlene and, and Chase, Lord, you'd help us. Give us words when words are needed. Give us hugs when hugs are needed. Lord, give us just the ability to sit and say nothing when that's needed. Lord, thank you for the reminder and the promise that this is not the end. It's actually the beginning. But for us, it is still painful. And so we trust you in all of this. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk this morning for a few minutes before we take the Lord's Supper. We've been looking at the life of Jesus um, every time we do the Lord's Supper, a different characteristic, a different way that Scripture describes him and who he is. And so I thought that the next time we did the Lord's Supper, I would probably look deeper at Emmanuel. And one of these times we will, but not today. The Lord, about a week ago, gave me a different name of Jesus and a different title. And I said, Lord, this makes absolutely no sense for the Lord's Supper. Why are we doing this? And, but the Lord continued just to, to reaffirm, I want you to go this direction. And as time went on, he began to reveal to me, and I see now more clearly why we're doing it today. We're going to talk about Jesus today as the builder. The builder. You know, it's interesting that uh, we, we talked about this Christmas Day, if you were with us, that Joseph was a builder. He was a carpenter. We use the term carpenter. The Greek word literally tekton, it, it, we, we get like tectonic plates. It's, it's the idea of a builder, one who works not only with wood, but stone or metal. Um, we would call them a carpenter probably today. But that was Joseph's trade. That's what he did. And Jesus followed him in that trade. We know that according to Mark chapter 6, when he began to, to minister and, and all these things were going on, Mark 6, 3, it says, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. It's interesting because Jesus was just, he, he had a normal vocation, if you will. You ever think about the fact that he could have been anything? The Lord could have made him a scribe or Pharisee. Could have had him born into a different family, a family of royals or whatever. He had him born in a no-name family from, a no, you know, from nowhere, a nowhere place, Nazareth. Had his father just be a carpenter. His mother was a teenager. We would, today, not knowing the miraculous part of this, today we would say in this situation she was an unwed teenage mother. 
That's not true, but that's what we would say based on what we could see. And Jesus followed in his steps as a carpenter, as a builder. <laughs> it doesn't say this in Scripture, but can't you imagine when this, this scenario going on? Isn't this the carpenter? Yeah, Jesus, you remember him. We hired him to put that deck on our house, you know, and he did a really good job, worked hard, talked a lot about God, you know, gave him a glass of water, it lasted all day. Uh, <laughs> He's a carpenter. He's a builder. He's good. And I'm, I can assure you, he was good at it. I'm not a carpenter. Um, I can do things and work on things. My dad was kind of a jack of all trades and master of none, as he called himself. And, um, and so I can do a lot of things, but I'm, I'm not really a carpenter. I've been around some really good carpenters and learned some things from them through the years, mostly just by watching them. But as I began to think about this idea of a builder, as a, a carpenter, I thought, Lord, is this really prevalent in Scripture? It is prevalent in Scripture. I want you to see some of the Scripture. Look at these, these with me. Look at this next one. And um, there we go, Hebrews eleven ten. This is talking about Abraham. It says, Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Abraham was looking for a city where God built it, where he was doing the work. Look at this next one with me. In Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. Again, this concept of builder, of, con of, of, of constructing something. Look at the next one with me. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts, and you knitted to me together in my mother's womb. I like this passage because it doesn't talk about being a builder, but it's the same concept. Because some of you are sitting there thinking, I don't build, Troy. I'm not a builder. I'm not a carpenter. I can't relate to it. If you have in any way been doing something that's creative, you're putting something together. You're putting together a presentation for work. You're building. If you sew, you're building. If you have, if you're planning a vacation, you're building. You're taking and you're having a plan, an idea, a plan. You're putting the pieces together. You're working toward a desired end. You're building. And this verse says that we were formed in the inward parts. He knitted us together. He put us together that way. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for you, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. See, every good builder has a plan. When I was young, I wanted to build a fort, a treehouse. How many of you have ever built a treehouse? Have you ever built a treehouse? How many of you have ever built a treehouse as a seven, eight-year-old without any adult supervision? <laughs> See, it was a lot freer when I was a kid. Nowadays, we would never let kids do this kind of thing. You know, we would watch them a whole lot more. But back in my day, basically, you came home from school, you got out of your school clothes into your play clothes, which was last year's school clothes that were too short and small. And then you went to play until it got dark. Basically, they wanted you away. Go out and don't come back until it's time to eat. Um, and so we go out and we just, we would do all, we get all kinds of stuff. And one of the things I remember doing as a kid is building a fort. But we didn't have a plan. We just knew it needed to be up in the tree. And we had some wood and some things. And, and, and it looked like a fort some, a kid built without a plan. All right. <laughs> the Lord has a plan. He's a good builder. Every good builder has a plan. 
If you go in one of the offices, there's a file cabinet full of blueprints and plans for this building and different things. Every builder has a plan. The scripture says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. Plans for your good. Plans, some translators say plans for your future. It's a future good, a, 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 a beneficial future, a good future. I have that for you, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Every good builder has a plan. Jesus has a plan. Now, there are other passages of Scripture that talk about Jesus building, some that I didn't even, I didn't even put in. Um, remember when Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says that upon this rock, not talking, about, not talking about Peter, but upon Jesus, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is, and the Father was building and is building his church. And the gates of hell can't prevail against it. He has a plan, he has a design, and things that he's doing. Now, as I was going through all this, I said, all right, Lord, there's a lot that the scripture says about building and about Jesus being a builder, God being a builder. How does that fit into the Lord's Supper? How does that help us when we come to the table? And then it became really clear. Do you know there's a verse in scripture that says that we are his workmanship? Now, in Ephesians 2, what the Lord did this week for me is I went back and began to look at the passage in front of that and read all the way down to it and saw some very, very interesting things because if you were going to hire a builder at your home or here at the church or wherever, your business, whatever you're doing, if you're going to hire a builder, what would you want to know? What would, what would go into that process of hiring that builder? First of all, you'd want to know something about them, their character, their references. Who are they? Um, how, do, you know, how do they do their job? How, how good are they at doing their job? You'd want to find that out, wouldn't you? You would also want to know, what is it they've worked on? What have they done? What have they done in the past, and, and what are they currently working on? What are the, what are the projects and things that they, they have done or are doing that you could look at? You could see an example of, of their work. What is, how are they at, at planning and preparing and, and, and taking a job and, and, and thinking through all the different aspects of it? And do they stand behind it after they, after they do it? Do they stand behind their work? Do I have any kind of guarantee after you finish this that I'm going to be pleased with it? And if I'm not, is there any kind of recourse in it? See, these are things that we would do, right, if we were hiring a builder, if we were working with someone. Now I want you to look with me at Ephesians chapter 2. And we're not going to start in verse 10, which is where it talks about us being his workmanship. We're going to back up to verse 4. Thinking about the things I just said, where we're looking at the character, the background of the builder. We're looking at projects that they have done, what they work on, the plans and how they do it, and do they stand behind their work? I want you to look at this passage with me. But God, being rich in mercy and because of the great love with which he loved us. You know what it's talking about here? This is the character of the one who is the builder. He says, you want to know who this builder is? 
says that he is rich in mercy and has great love. He's rich in mercy and has great love, which causes me to question then, okay, if that's his characteristic, what is it that he's building? What is it he's working on? What, is it that, what has he worked on? And what is it he's working on now? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, do you understand that before you were converted, before Jesus saved you, you weren't just lost. You weren't just messed up. You weren't just a sinner. You were dead. You were dead. That's what Scripture says. You and I were dead in our trespasses and our sin. We were incapable of righteousness. We were incapable of being righteous or being connected with the righteous one. It was impossible. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so this builder, who is full, who's rich in mercy and full of love, has great love, sees us even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. Now that's quite a building process, isn't it? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Okay, this is the work that he's about. You want to know what this builder is about? This is the work that he's about. Making dead people alive. That's his work. That's what he's about. So when I go up to people and I tell them, they say, oh, you're religious? Not really. I'm not really religious. I'm not. You what? You're a pastor. I'm not religious. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I'm not religious. Because religion is simply man's attempt to be good enough to get to God. I'm not that. I know I can't be good enough to get to God. So I'm not religious. I am bought with a price. I'm a dead man who's been made alive. That's who I am. That's what we celebrate today, by the way. This is why the Lord wanted me to look at being a builder. He said, I want you to see what I'm building, Troy. When I call myself a builder, I want you to see what I'm building. He made us alive, verse 6. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. By the way, what's the tense of that verse? And raised us up. What it raised is past tense, isn't it? He raised us up. We've already been raised up and seated with him in heavenly places. You're like, Troy, I'm right here. I'm seated here. Yeah, physically, your body is. But the work, the spiritual work that he's doing in you, he's already raised you up and seated. I don't understand it all. He said, Troy, explain to me. I can't explain that to you. I'm not God. I don't understand all that. But I know it to be true. I know that he has done such a supernatural work that he's taken the dead part of me and made it alive, and he's caused me to be seated with him in heavenly places. That's what he's done already. Now, one day I'll be with him. He'll give me glorified body, and I'll be with him for all of eternity. But even before then, I'm already seated with him. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Remember I told you all ago, when we're hiring someone, we want to know the jobs that they've worked on so that we can look at them and say, oh yeah, they do good work. I appreciate that. Our builder is doing the same thing. He has made dead people alive, seated them with him in heavenly places. He is transforming us. Why? So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. He wants you and me to be a demonstration of what kind of builder he is and what he does. There's another passage in Ephesians that talks about he's not only showing that to people now, 
But even the angels see. They, they see what he's doing. Even the enemy sees what he's doing. He hates it, but he sees it. This is why God put the church together. This is why he's doing a work. It's so that he can demonstrate who he is through you and me. and The workmanship that he does in us. Now, it goes on. Verse, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is the heart of the gospel, people. Every time we come to the Lord's table, I come back to the gospel. Matter of fact, I try to come back to the gospel every time we gather in some way or fashion. This is the heart of the gospel, that you and I were dead men and women. We could not be righteous. We could not be with the righteous one. We couldn't do the right thing if we tried. We couldn't. We didn't have the capability. And he made us alive because he died in our place. He took our sin and he did it for us, but he did it. And we believe that. We, we receive it. We are, we're saved by grace. It is not of your own doing. It's not of your own work. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. Nobody in here can go around and say, you know, yeah, Jesus didn't really have to die for me because I, I did a pretty good job on my own. Well, part of what the Holy Spirit does in our life is open our eyes to recognize that we can't do it on our own. That's what he does. That's part of his work. That's, that's the move. When he's converting, that's what he does. He's showing us you can't do it on your own. We're going to talk over the next few weeks, a couple of weeks. I believe the direction the Lord's given for the new year is probably starting in the beginning of February. We're going to, do, we're going to walk just verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount. I've never taught through the Sermon on the Mount, and yet it is the heart of Jesus' teaching when he was here on planet Earth. And I think that's going to happen, Lord willing, starting in February. But before we get to that, the Lord has really prompted my heart to talk about who we are as a church and what he's doing and, and the things that he wants us to believe that seem so contrary and hard to believe. One of them is this. It seems to us in our American culture that if we continually say that we are nothing and we are nobody and we can't do it on our own and we are, we are desperate, we are, we are in desperate need of a Savior, that we have to have Jesus at work in our life, that seems to American way of thinking that that's a bad thing. That we need to speak well of ourselves. We need to build ourselves. We need to find, you know, we, we need to find the champion within and we, we need to discern how great we actually are. If you go down that path, first of all, it, it ends in misery. And it ends in a place of frustration because the Scripture says, and the truth is that we, apart from Him, we can do nothing. And I can't save myself either. There's no way to be able to do that. It is His gift, not a result of works, so that nobody can boast. And yet we are a boastful society. If they have one more award program for something where we pat ourselves on the back for what we've accomplished, I mean, all of TV will be taken up with award programs. Because we're constantly congratulating ourselves for how wonderful we are. We boast. Jesus says, no, when you find joy and meaning in life, it's actually because you don't boast. Because you recognize, I couldn't do anything. Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Now, look at the end of this with me. 
This is the part that really, for we are his workmanship. The Greek there is continuous action. He's constantly working. We are his ongoing workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So not only did he save us, but he is working in us because he has good works already ordained for us to walk in them. We would want to know from a builder, do you stand behind your work? God is declaring, I stand behind my work. I am constantly at work in you. I already have a plan for you. I know the plans I have for you, it says in Jeremiah 29. I already have a plan for you. I've prepared it beforehand. I'm going to continually be working in your life so that you walk in them, that we should walk in them. Now here's my warning to you as your pastor. Let Jesus define good works, not you. Let me ask you, would it be a good work to take and give a large sum of money to the work of Christ, to the ministry of Christ? Would that be a good work? It might be, or it might not be. You say, how can you say that? Well, with Ananias and Sapphira, apparently it wasn't a good work, was it? Because they lied. It was, there was an issue that was going on there, and so God didn't see it as a good work. He saw it as a human effort that was preceded by a lie. Let me ask you, would it be a good thing to go into a new area, a new country, a new, a new place that's never heard the gospel to go in and to share? And they're asking you to come and you go in and share the gospel with them. Would that be a good work? It seems like it would be. Under some circumstances, it would be. But we had that exact case in the book of Acts where they were calling for Paul to come over, to come with us. And he said no, because the Spirit wouldn't let him go. Be careful about defining good work yourself. We tend to define it ourselves. Lord says, no, let me tell you what good work is. Let me tell you. Let me show you what good work is. He has prepared it for us ahead of time so that we would walk in it. When you and I come and take the Lord's Supper together, we are acknowledging, we are acknowledging that the builder, the architect, Jesus and the Father and the Spirit together, they had a plan all along. Do you think it just snuck up on them that Adam and Eve sinned? And now there had to be a, a substitute, there had to be a payment, a propitiation is that big theological word. Do you think it snuck up on them? No. There was a plan all along. They were part of it. You and I are part of it. Their plan was to take dead men and women to make them alive, to do this transforming work inside of them, to change them, to use them as a demonstration to everyone else looking on that God is God. That He's exactly who He says He is. And every time we come, we reaffirm this when we take this. Lord, we're reaffirming the fact that we are Your workmanship. We are Your workmanship. We're representative of that. I've told you before, I used to hate the Lord's Supper because I felt like the only purpose for the Lord's Supper was for me to try to confess my sins and get, them all, get, get all, of them, all of them confessed and so I could be right. And so I, I dreaded coming to it. Do you know what the Lord has done? Is He's caused through the years 
for me to understand more and more that it was his plan all along as a builder to call me and to save me. That was his plan. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, it was his plan to call you and to save you. If you're not a believer today in Jesus Christ, I believe it's his plan to call you and to save you. He's calling out so that I would believe that what's represented in this and what we take together is true. That his body was broken for me. That's, that's why we break this up into smaller pieces. His body broken for us. We take it. It is not his literal body, it's a representation of his body. That's what he said. And we take it together. We're believing that the master builder had a plan that he was going to die in our place and that we would take that and receive it by faith. When we eat it, we receive it by faith. Do you eat anything you think is poison? Anybody here eat anything you think is poison? Now, some things we eat, they tell us it's poison, but we're not quite sure, right? All right? Because we eat it anyway, all right? Or we think, you know, maybe it is, but it's really good tasting poison. And, hey, you know, who wants to live that long anyway? All right? <laughs> and so, I love that. I heard somebody say this the other day. It's like, you know, if you eat healthy, you'll live longer. No, it just feels longer, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, please don't take that out of context, all right? I'm not against healthy eating or any of those. It's good to take care of your body, all right? Just don't go crazy with it. Um, so, but with all of that, I'm dropping crackers on the floor. Sorry, Tom. Um, um, there, is, there is this representation that he died for us. He was broken for us. And we take it by faith. We take it into our body because we don't believe it's poison. We believe it's life. We receive life. If you look at this closely, you see the stripes on it. Because it's by his stripes we are healed. You see the holes in it. It's been pierced. He was pierced for us. You see the burn marks on it. Because the wrath of God was poured out on him so it wouldn't have to be poured out on me. It's all represented here. The master builder had a plan all along. And they take the cup. And he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. It was poured out for you. That was the plan all along. And you would take it and receive it. And you would enter into a new covenant. And I've talked about this, and I will probably say it every Lord's Supper until we die. Hebrews tells us that it is a new covenant. It is better than the old covenant because it's based on better promises. What in the world is he talking about? He's simply saying that under the old covenant, you and I had our part to do. God did his part. We would do our part. If God never failed in his part, we just had to keep up our end of the bargain. But we couldn't do it. Israel couldn't do it. They couldn't keep up their end of the bargain. So Jesus came, and the Father made a covenant with His Son. They made a covenant together. Jesus fulfilled all the parts of the covenant in our place. And so we simply enter into it by faith. That is the new covenant. That's why it's better than the old covenant. The old covenant says you have to earn it. And you couldn't. You can't. The new covenant says, recognizing you can't earn it, I pay it for you. And you simply enter in by faith. It is a better covenant. And it's represented every time we take this cup together. This is why we do this. As often as you do this, this is why we do it. Because we're reminding ourselves that he's the builder. He's the planner. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask those who are going to help me serve if you would come. Lord Jesus, we thank you.
we thank you that you are the master builder. You're the architect and the one who puts it all together and the one who keeps on building. You keep, we are your workmanship, this ongoing process that you're doing in our life where you're changing and you're filling and you're doing this, this incredible work in us. And so we give you praise and glory today. As we take this, Lord, we give you thanks because your plan is perfect. You really are full of mercy and you have great love. And Lord, unlike human builders where we make mistakes, Lord, you don't make any mistakes. You're perfect in that. So Lord, we thank you for your plan. We thank you for your work. We thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we take this together, honoring you, recognizing what you have done for us, what you are still doing for us. And I would say to you before I finish this prayer, even right now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you can receive right now by faith. You can receive that free gift. What is the free gift? That Jesus died in your place for your sin. And that he rose again, that he lives today, and he's offering to you life. Life. Life eternal, life abundant. He's offering it to you as a gift. You simply receive it. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You simply receive it by faith. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin. I cannot be good enough. I can't be righteous. I can't do it on my own. That you died for me that I'm, Lord, I'm turning to you. I'm turning away from my own effort, my own way of thinking, and I turn to you, and I receive you. And you just tell him in your own words. You don't have to use my words. Use your words. But the heart of it is, Lord, I'm coming to you and believing. And the scripture says, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we will be saved. You can be saved now. Right now, as the Spirit draws you. And as a believer, as one who has been born again, one God has changed as part of the family, then we encourage you to take the Lord's Supper with us today. You don't have to be a member of this church, this local fellowship, just a member of His body. Because that's, you wouldn't want to take it otherwise. Because the reality is, is that this represents the fact that we're part of Him, that we have believed Him, that we are followers of Jesus. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for your your love and mercy toward us and all that you have done and all that you've got planned ahead for us. Lord, we are your ongoing workmanship. You've got great plans in store. And we thank you and we praise you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.